You are now listening to a family live session. This conversation has been recorded as an extension of a previous podcast episode or as a Q&A tackling a topic that has been voted by the listeners. The guests have tuned in live to answer questions from the viewers. If you want to know when the next live Q&A session happens, follow us at Family Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. Thanks for tuning in. It's great to see that you guys are tuning in. Um, we have Lisette de Jonge today uh, joining us from IKEA. And as you all know, we had a very uh, nice uh, podcast episode about well-being um, shared last week. And Lisette was so kind to join us to discuss more about well-being and health at work. So feel free to ask your questions because she's here to answer them. Lisette, welcome. Such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Um, thanks again for, for tuning in. I know this is, um, you know, it's it's nice to have, again, an interaction with the people that have uh, listened to to the interview that we, we did together. And uh, you talk about a very important topic, which is well-being at work. And it's also a topic that is not really or wasn't really tackled before uh, as much as it is now. And people have questions about what does it mean to be in this um role, how do you do your everyday job and so on. So um, I would like just to start with a reminder of what does it, what, what is well-being? How do you define well-being? Yes, well, actually we're health and well-being, uh, you can define it in the work setting, but also outside the work setting. Uh, so when we talk about health and well-being, it's, it's a state of mind and how you feel and if you feel healthy, if you feel well. So it's actually a very broad um, sentence when we talk about health and well-being. Um, so when we talk about health, it's more the absence of uh, sickness. And when we talk about well-being, it's more a mental state. Mm. And well-being at work. What do you think it's well-being at work? What do you define as, as well-being at work? Um, when I look at my own uh, work area, then I, I think it's, it's uh, really also a broad topic. Uh, because it's, uh, it's it's containing the work environment, but it's also containing the private environment of our co-workers. And so I, when we talk about well-being at work, I think it's really uh, about how co-workers feel within the work environment, uh, but also knowing that the private environment is influencing their health and well-being uh, at work. Mm-hmm. And um, we had some, some feedback uh, about the fact that you within IKEA have a very cool role, to, so to speak, because it's something that um, showcases the values of the company. Is there any feedback that you received regarding your role and you know what people think uh, about it and how do they uh, see it in their own organizations? Yes, I actually got uh, a lot of feedback or uh, a lot of comments on, on the podcast. Many people were very surprised about the role as it is quite a unique role within the organization. Uh, and I got also many questions from people uh, who asked me how I got there and how they could also maybe uh, get a bit more into, into this direction. Um, mm-hmm. And then it's more like from a perspective of helping co-workers, uh, also co-workers who are absent and also people who had an, um, a mental uh, challenge themselves. For example, uh, people with a burnout and they got... Uh, better and now they are really interested to help other people uh, preventing a burnout preventing mental diseases or challenges so it's actually the questions were coming from all different angles but very very interesting mm-hmm. so let's talk about uh, well-being at work and how did you get there um, you said that you created your role for yourself um, in a previous organization 
and uh, you switched from uh, focusing on absenteeism as you know uh, the, the key role of well-being to actually um, extensive well-being at work that includes uh, uh, emotional, financial, uh, social well-being as well. Can you tell us how uh, was this transition and how did you how did you start? I don't know some of the maybe details of how do you get to have this sort of role within an organization? And uh, like you said, people asked you how did you make it here? Can you tell us more about the journey itself? Uh, some of the key points of uh, of becoming a well being leader. Absolutely. Um, well, I, I think when I started with my work uh, focusing on, on helping absence co-workers in the organization I worked for at that time, uh, I noticed that, uh, of course, it's really important to, to try to help co-workers getting back to work and let them feel better. Uh, but what we realized when we were looking at more a data perspective um, on health and well-being, that we saw that we could influence um, the positive part a lot better than the negative part. Uh, because within organizations, of course, there is only a small uh, percentage is absent, but the biggest percentage is, is still healthy and, and they are most of them are feeling well. So from my perspective, it was really in interesting to focus a bit more on the healthy people. Um, and when we connected the, uh, the, the, the social part and uh, the more emotional part of helping co-workers with the data part, then it became really interesting. Uh, many people were more and more interested in checking their own health and well-being. You saw many people and still see many people wearing those uh, wearables, tracking their own health and well-being, uh, for example, with uh, sleep, tracking heart rate, um, also now with the intermittent fasting. Many people are really aware about their own health and well-being. And we try to connect um, from the organizational perspective with the personal perspective, the data part. Uh, and that made really the shift from uh, focusing on absence to more health and well-being to see um, if we could influence the health and well-being of the co-workers and then connecting it to, uh, for example, absence, uh, for uh, example, connecting it to, to productivity, protecting uh, and also protecting the health and well-being of our co-workers. Uh, it made a, a real shift within the organization and also in uh, other organizations as well. And when it comes to your uh, your career path, can you tell us more about um, what were some of the I don't know key decisions you had to make in order to to get to this position of being a well being leader? What were some of the I don't know uh, steps that uh, that you encounter, and what would you recommend those who wanna follow in your path? Yeah, first when I started to work within the field of absence, um, it was a bit of a negative. Uh, area within the organization. Many people had a, a really a negative thought about absent people, um, how to get them back to work. Uh, it is also, uh, uh, yeah, quite often it's it's quite a hassle for from an organizational perspective, but also for co-workers themselves when they don't feel well. Um, from that perspective, I found it really interesting to help those people, but also helping the organization to improve the absence management uh, and then making the shift uh, towards health and well-being, I was really interested in the data part. So I think when people are interested in working in this field, uh, from my perspective and what I see in the outside world, is that there is a, a shift going to a data-based um, or data perspective uh, on, on health and well-being. So when we talk about health and well-being, try to uh, have a return on investment, try to connect the dots with uh, data uh, to see if your initiatives that you are rolling out could improve actually um, also the organization's uh, figures. Data, yeah, that's the, uh, let's say, hot spot of uh, now making decisions. And of course, it's going to become more and more uh, 
data-driven. We already see a lot of data-informed decisions being taken. And I would say that uh, historically, this topic of well-being wasn't really correlated with data. So because you've mentioned it, is there any particular, I don't know, uh, setup that you've created in order to be able to find numbers on those sort of uh, aspects? Because how do you measure well-being at work when it's, yeah. you know, it's about the, the context, it's about how you feel and how you, the stressors that you get from the outside world. How do you connect that to actually make a report, for example? What do you look at? Yeah, that's, it's, it's quite interesting uh, topic because uh, health and well-being is, 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 is a perceived uh, way of feeling. So how do you feel? It's, it's really uh, the question, if you ask that to people, that yeah, that's really personal. And, and maybe you feel one day you feel really good, but it's also depending on so many factors. So it is it is a challenge to measure health and well-being. But we have, uh, and there are many uh, fact-based and, and research-based questionnaires uh, rolled out in the world that you can actually yeah, test health and well-being or measure health and well-being. And that's also what we uh, use. Uh, it's only based on research and um yeah, I think that's the only way to to measure and then connect the dots and uh, see if there are any correlations. Mm -hmm. So we, we got actually a question here, how do you measure the data? And you said that you use research and surveys. So there is basically this, um, you know, research approach of, of looking at uh, asking the right questions and uh, analyzing the, the answers and putting it into a bigger picture. There's no other shortcut for, for it. No, and unfortunately, it's also a bit of a long-term aspect because you cannot immediately see the effects of an implementation of a certain initiative. Because um, yeah, when you uh, roll something out, it will take some time to uh, have a, a certain effect on, on people. And then still it is a perceived way uh, how they feel. So it's, it's, it's a bit hard, but in the end you can uh, measure, yes. Hmm. Yeah, it's the 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 long uh, run of getting something out of the initiative that you implement is not immediate. No. Um, very 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 interesting. And we got another question. Um, do you think companies are now ready to hire well-being managers for their employees, or at least start well-being programs for them? I absolutely think that. Uh, I see that more and more coming in in uh, into the world that many organizations are more focusing on the positive part of um, uh, co-workers' health and well-being and not only focusing on absence. Um, but what I also see that many organizations are still having a focus on health and safety instead of health and well-being. And I think that those areas should be integrated with each other and then the, the shift will really uh, come. Can you share a bit more about um, the uh, different dimensions of well-being at work? What do you think it's, it's well-being at work? I don't know, related to, for example, what you do, what you do at IKEA, or how do you go around that? Yeah, it's, it's not uh, specific. My opinion on on the areas of health and well-being, but there is also a lot of research done uh, around this topic, and many organizations have a different perspective on which areas should be included in the in the strategy and which areas should not be in, uh, integrated. But areas you can think of are, of course, the physical health and well-being. Uh, for example, um, when you talk about nutrition, when you talk about sleep, which are really influencing aspects of, of uh, the total health and well-being. Then you can think of mental uh, health and well-being area. But also, for example, when you talk about spiritual health and well-being, is, is often an area that uh, organizations are focusing on more and more. Uh, social well-being is an area that many organizations are focusing on. Financial well-being is also an upcoming area. Um, so it's actually it's up to the organization and yeah, the kind of organization that people work for and what is really fitting for them.
And when it comes to you, I would be curious to know more about uh, how do you integrate well-being also in your personal life? Because you said that a lot of people wrote you about the role that you have at, at work every day. But I'm sure that, you know, you mentioned also in the interview that you also have to take care of your personal well-being and you yourself sometimes feel stressed. How yes. do you cope with that? And how do you integrate well-being in your personal life? Yeah, they also say, yeah, of course, practice what you preach. Um, and of course, for me, I have my challenges as well. Uh, but I do work out a lot to clear my mind uh, because it's it's quite a hectic uh, role uh, which I have, and and I got a lot, I get a lot of energy out of this uh, role. But I I also feel it's really important to disconnect from work uh, when it's needed, uh, to take some time for myself, to go into the nature. But what I also see, and that's also uh, being shown in uh, literature, is that you need to have a bit control about the workload you have. So when we talk about uh, the demands you have at work and then the control, it should be a bit um, in balance. Because if you don't feel that you're in control of the workload you have, then you can feel really overstressed. And sometimes, of course, I have that as well when uh, the emails are, are coming in and uh, the, the, the projects are still continuing. Uh, but then feeling uh, if I, I get a bit more control of uh, the workload and talk about it with uh, with my team members, then I really feel that it can be a relief and that uh, you are a bit more yeah, relaxed by yourself. Uh, another area uh, where, where you can influence your stress level is uh, breathing techniques. And this is also something I, I use myself. Uh, so sometimes I'm just um, yeah using the app uh, or my watch where I have a Garmin watch where you can uh, just have a breathing technique um, as an exercise and then yeah actually I feel better when uh, when I finished it. So actually I, I, I use many different examples of my uh, my own uh, area. Mm. Um, the moment you said breathing technique, I just took a deep breath. I was like, this is the moment, a reminder of, of doing that. And uh, I've had a couple of, uh, of interviews where we've discussed mental health and well-being and, you know, career versus life and how you should always put yourself first in order to perform in any aspect of your life, because otherwise you're always getting there with like um, half a glass empty uh, and you think about you know, it's half a glass full, but then the, the rest is empty. So you really need to, you know, uh, push even more to make it happen. And I'm happy you you mentioned this because um, I we got some very nice feedback um, on the resources that you've shared of how you integrate well-being in your life. And you gave a couple of podcast examples and so on. And I would I would want to uh, ask you on, on that note of resources, is there anything else that you feel you want to share after you've gotten the feedback? Because uh, like we both discussed just before starting this call, it was quite surprising to see that people found it very helpful just getting this sort of uh, advice from somebody that that practices or uses those uh, those techniques. And is there anything else that you want to, I don't know, share now that we, we know people are really interested in those topics? Yes, I actually, I got a few messages on LinkedIn from people that uh, they could also advise some other podcasts. And so it was really nice to hear that people were listening to the podcast and they uh, they thought there were podcasts that they didn't know. So they tried them out. And then I got some other um, advice from them, uh, which could uh, be interesting for me to listen to as well. I can share them afterwards. I, I don't know all the names now um, by myself, but I can I can do that. And I also got some questions from some people that they say, "Are do you know any uh, apps that are free? For example, yoga apps that you should not pay for for, for some students. 
And I think that's an interesting part as well, because um, of course we all want to work on our health and well-being, but we don't all uh, have the, the, the yeah the, the money to download all the the apps that are yeah, paid for. You need to pay for. So I think yeah, from that perspective, we can share a little bit more uh, tips and tricks from uh, free apps. Yeah, very 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 good point. And you made a very important note here on. Um how is well-being represented in, in our discourse? Because we've shared this sort of interview on Facebook, we shared it on Instagram, we shared it on LinkedIn, and you got different sort of feedback from different sort of channels, right? Like I get as well. And it's quite interesting to, to, to see that this field, it doesn't matter what your main objective in life is. Well-being, it's a general... Uh, you know, a setup and topic that we should all be looking at. And I would want to ask you in, on that note, if you've had any, I don't know, realization after our interview of, you know, well-being and what what your role entails, I feel like um, doing, um, having a role of well-being, it's really new and it's also, it sparks a lot of curiosity. So, um is there any realization that that you've had after getting all the feedback from from the listeners about the the, the things that you've shared? Yeah, I actually had uh, because I got some questions from uh, people with children, uh, and they asked me how they could educate their children already in this topic because the schools are not really focusing on mental well-being or financial well-being, and it's so important that we educate our children already on this topic because if they they start studying and then afterwards they start with the work. Uh, there will be many challenges and they have n not been um, educated on this part. So I think um, that was one of the surprises I had that we thought that I thought maybe we should start earlier already with educating our children on this topic uh, and give them already uh, some tips where they can think of to, to, be, yeah, to be in control of your mental health and physical health and financial health um, because it's so important. Definitely. You you have a very important point there with uh, parents and uh, parents who are aware of the way that they want their children to grow up and maybe not go through the same challenges. And they also see the impact of technology, for example, that it takes on their life. And uh, it's it's a very, you know, uh, important point. Somebody said, yeah, kids education is a very, very good point. And uh, we also got a, a question here that I think it's very, very relevant to um, where we live because um, Denmark and Sweden, in Denmark and Sweden, well-being is important, but in other countries, I think it is unfortunately less present. How do you think employees could, raise start, uh, could start raising their voice and ask employers to invest more in this area? Yeah, I, I think uh, Andrea is, is right with that. And uh, that's very unfortunate. Um, but it's also, yeah, it is culture depending how you're raised. And if, if, for example, mental well-being is a topic you can easily talk about with your friends or family or employer. And I do think it's very important to open up um, to watch your employer about your mental well-being. And I think the only only way you can do it is, is find some, um, some honest uh, conversation, a time to have an honest conversation, for example, with your manager um, and and ask if you uh, can trust this person because it's, it's a very sensitive topic. Uh, and that's the only thing from my perspective to open up the conversation and um, start talking. It's, uh, it's definitely a bigger conversation than uh, just us uh, starting it here. And the fact that 
you know, I managed to have a uh, uh, leader uh, in well-being in my podcast sharing all these insights for me was already uh, amazing because I know that a lot of people will listen and they'll be like, yeah, I, this this sounds good, but how can I implement this? So I, I would say, uh, is there anything that, you know, from you implementing a well-being strategy, are there any findings that you consider we should all be aware of? Like something that, I don't know, you didn't expect it to happen like this or you you were very surprised by the result. Is there anything that we should tell people about, you know, what does it actually entail to to share a well-being strategy? Yeah, that's a bit hard um, from, from an IKEA perspective, but what I think it's really important is that um, the top of the organization should be really engaged to have this topic being covered in the organization, uh, because I, I do think if you start bottom up, it, it will be really hard to convince the, the top management uh, that you should have a health and well-being strategy. So I think there should be a lot of support from everyone in the organization from a leadership perspective to be able to change something in the organization. Uh, but then if you focus on, for example, data, which helped me a lot, um, I do think you can have a, a good business case to convince the, the the management team that health and well-being is very important in the, in the organization. And as we all have some challenges sometimes in our lives, um, it's really something, uh, it is a topic that everyone actually can talk about. Um, everyone has some stress sometimes. Everyone needs to, especially in this COVID time, need to, um, yeah, have to have the challenge with working at home having private challenges having work challenges so it's really recognizable for everyone that you should, you should focus on your health and well-being and stay healthy and able to uh, to 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 be productive at work mm, definitely i want to go back a bit to your career and uh, talk a bit more about advice on that path because like you said a lot of people approached you about uh, building a career in this field is there any um advice that you have for them where to start is are there any courses or is there any i don't know sort of a resource that um you think it's important to start with because when you think about it you work still in strategy so is there anything that they should be aware of, uh, even if it sounds cool to be a well-being leader? What does it actually entail in, in the in, in the day-to-day -day activity? Yeah, uh, I can only talk for myself, of course, and my, or, uh, my background with, within uh, business psychology. Um, and the people I talk with uh, who are interested to work in this field, they all have different backgrounds, from a business background to um, a facility background. So I think it's it's very important that you have a passion for the topic and i do think it can be um good if you have some experience by yourself uh, with mental um, uh, expertise or with mental uh, challenges you had yourself and you know um, what helped you so you can help other people as well uh, but this i don't think in this area is, is one um, specific way you could or you should uh, take to, to become a health and well-being specialist I think there are many, many areas you could uh, have been working in before to become uh, a specialist, specialist in this field. Mm. That is definitely encouraging for uh, for some of the listeners who maybe thought they have to have some sort of degree or formation in this in this setup. So you're talking mostly about being passionate about the subject and also maybe 
doing some research on your own to see what it entails and so on. And uh, that's a very good point because I always look up to people that have a passion for what they're doing because it's just uh, uh, you you see that through their work and it's it's um, very encouraging to know that it's it's the way to go. I uh, I would also want to ask you if you. Um, you know, if you ever received advice, you know, what was the best piece of advice that you've received that stayed with you in your in your career? Oh, that's a hard one. I do remember that uh, an old manager of mine, she always said, never judge a, a book by its cover. But it's a bit of a cliche uh, yeah, thing. But I do think it's very important uh, that you look a bit further than the first thing you see. Uh, so dig a bit deeper. Uh, also, when you think about your own career and the next steps you want to make, don't think you could not do it because you have a certain background or uh, you have a certain expertise. I think it's really important, as also what you said, Alexandra, that you show your passion, you show you're capable and, and just go for it. Because I think all the organizations just want to have uh, someone working for them that, that is really passionate, that's really engaged. So I think that's that's really important. Mm, definitely. We got a comment here. I wish consult consultancy companies and not only would focus on well-being a bit more. We we simply need more of you, Lisette. That was the <laughs> that was the message here. <laughs> um, uh, looking back, is there anything that you would have done differently? Mm. From a career perspective, you think? It can be both. I don't know if there's any realization. Like if I knew this, uh, I would have maybe done things differently. Yeah, I think I'm I'm sometimes very impatient on, on things I want to implement. So I think when I look back, maybe I could take a bit more time on um, the, the positions I, I was at that, at that moment and then making a next step. But I was just uh, very impatient and I just wanted to go, go, go. Um, and in the end, it was not bad because now I have a really good, nice position and I'm really happy uh, about it but maybe that's uh, the only thing I could also advise to other people be a bit more patient mm, definitely uh, patience is a virtue like uh, they say and uh, I think uh, it is if I look at just my the last five years uh, of me living in Denmark for example I feel like the moment I uh, relocated and you did the same now you now you also live in live in Denmark um, I just had to do everything in the first year like the friends, the right setup, the right, uh, you know, uh, company uh, work, uh, work life uh, balance that they still dis they, that they discuss here a lot. I just had to have it from the from the first year. And um, the culture shock that came with that was just huge. <laughs> and I feel that um, if there is something to also consider for those of our listeners who maybe live in a foreign country, or are now stuck somewhere, or they feel like they want to change something, but they they cannot at the moment because of the pandemic to remind them that, you know, being patient a bit more can really go a long way and that it's important not to, to put all of this stress on them, on them right now, because it is the times that we're living are really, are really strange and it's yeah. not easy. No, I, I totally agree. And I think, uh, especially what you said about the well-being, if you are very ambitious and you're really perfectionistic uh, on, on, the things you want to achieve, then it can be really stressful. Um, and I, I don't necessarily think that could improve the things you want to realize. So I think sometimes a bit more patience could improve uh, your goals. 
Mm, definitely. We're clo we're getting close to an end, like uh, half an hour just went by. And I want to ask you if you have any, you know, any last uh, pieces of advice that you want to share with those that are tuning in and those who will listen after. Um, I think because this field is still a bit, an, uh, yeah, an undiscovered area, that it could be good if there are if there are any people working already in this field of expertise that we could connect with each other and uh, see if we could help with, uh, each other because I think it's really nice and fun uh, and we could uh, improve this field, I think. Mm -hmm. So this is an open call to create a well-being leader network. Uh, so everybody who's uh, who's listening, add Lisette on uh, on LinkedIn, and uh, you know follow her journey and um, let's connect here and make a network that will really help uh, will really help us. We will of course share some of the um, uh, tips here that we've mentioned uh, after this episode. We will create some social media posts. So make sure that you follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, where we are very very uh, present. Lisette, it was such a pleasure to have this uh, Q&A with you. I thought it was really fun to, to interact again. And um, I really hope that you've enjoyed this, uh, this call as much as I did. Yes, thanks a lot. I enjoyed it as well. I hope you felt inspired to take charge of your next career move. Remember to review this podcast and share your comments. Thank you.